The SV Pod is presented by DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. Welcome, it's SV Pod. Another last dance recap, since that seems to be the main thing that everyone's talking about at the moment. If you enjoy this podcast, check out Marty Smith's America the Podcast. This week, Marty had Craig Elo on to talk about the shot, and Derek Anderson on being one of the first players endorsed by Air Jordan. This reminder, the Last Dance series continues Sunday, 9 Eastern on ESPN. You can also listen to the wrap-up podcast hosted by Jalen and Jacoby, presented by State Farm. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Coverage also brought to you by AT&T. This is available wherever you enjoy your podcasts, along with SVPod. Hi, it's uh, Scott Van Pelt, Stanford Steve is here. It's the SVPod. We're recording this on May the 4th. Steve, has anyone said to you, May the 4th be with you today? No one said it. I've seen plenty of, uh, I'll be nice, plenty of people uh, writing it online. <laughs> How about that? If someone said it to you in person, what would you do? Uh, <laughs> Eye roll? Uh, yeah, maybe like, you know, good one. Haven't heard that one. Like, it's every year, you people. You've had movies come out every three months. For the last, what, six years? Like, do you ever get tired of it? Like, I watch the movies. They're good, but holy Christmas. This is a message to Ray Ray Netsche, you're saying? No, Ray's fine. Ray can do whatever he wants. But I'm just like, every year, same Oh, here's me with Darth Vader when I was five. Oh, I like Star Wars more than you. Like, it's just, oh, my God. It is a contest. Who likes what more than who? Speaking of Ray, our former producer... I don't know how it happened, but I watched Who's the Jerk on the internet the other day. You and did? Me, I don't know what happened or why. Like I was sitting there, and the next thing you know, I was watching it. And let me tell you, that is some that is some fine entertainment right there. The answer, Ray, is zero. And the Cliff's notes there for those that are not original day one doggies. Down for life with uh, SVP and Marcillo, Stanford Steve, producer. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a segment called Who's the Jerk? And on it, I asked our former producer, Ray Necci, how many times in the years that we'd been on the air, how many times he had told us that we had done a good segment. <laughs> and the answer <laughs> was zero. The best part of it, watching it back, is you and Rosillo both immediately knew where I, where it was going and how that little game show was going to be played. We were not gonna we're not gonna play nice. We were just gonna go top top rope right off the start. I had I had like three different versions of questions for that first who's a jerk because it was over the line, on the line, you know, below the line. And what, once you what, drop that, what? it was ready to go. Yeah. By the way, um how many segments have you told us we did a good segment? It was not the best question of who's the jerk. The best oh. question of who's the jerk <laughs> was asked by Stanford Steve to Ryan Rosillo. Do you know the question I'm talking about? Uh, I think I got two into him. Or is there just one? Well, there's one right. I don't care how many questions you asked him. There's one correct answer to the best question who, that was asked. Who likes you more? That's not how you framed it. Oh. Who, hate, who hates you more, men <laughs> or women? I mean, his reaction. There's a smile Rosillo gives when it's the absolute, like, 
It is a glimpse, a window into his soul. And he smiled that smile like, yeah, all right, okay. And my God, that was just, oh, that's, you know, what's funny is, is and we've talked extensively, probably way too much, frankly, about this. Why do people love us so much? The people, people just, they were, I think they were just attracted to the fact that it truly, every, every version of sports radio is, oh, it's just guys hanging out. Like, it sounds like your buddies. Well, we're your buddies that are the hard buddies to be buddies with. You know what I mean? Mm. Yep. True ball busting buddies. We love you. Like I would, I would go to the wall and back for you, for Rosillo, mm-hmm. um, for Ray, for anybody who was part of our show. I, I like, but like I'm coming for you, and you're coming from like that's how it goes because that's how it really goes with people where you can say anything. Um, and anyway, I don't know how it happened that I saw that who's the jerk, but I did. It was two parts, if you recall. Oh yeah. It was. Remember, how, remember how scared we were to do it? Yeah. And then you you just walked in with your card, and you just said, it's on. And I'm like, yes. Yeah, because I didn't want to do it because I was yeah. afraid. And I know you guys, like, let's be honest. There, there, was, <laughs> there was some questions you guys probably didn't ask of me because you were afraid that I would go bat crazy if you asked the wrong one. Probably. Probably. But that's, you know what? That's probably better. Yeah, not that because there's certain things you could say that you can't walk away from, even among your friends. Right. I don't think it could have gone any better. Like the reaction. I really don't No, because everyone had fun at the questions asked of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Ryan asked if you littered. I think we all I think we all took a little inventory anyway. uh, That was who's the jerk. That was a two part series. Uh, The last dance is a 10 part series, as we know. Again, kids, in the business, that's a segue. Um, whoa, what happened? Am I still on? Yep, you're on. Okay. All right. Technology. <laughs> I'm like somebody's peepaw in here. Computer starts <laughs> making noises. I'm afraid something's going wrong. Uh, where do we start? You want to, why don't we just – we had Charles on. They, they yeah. showed Dream Team stuff. They showed Charles and the 93 Suns losing. Mm-hmm. They had a four-point lead late, and they Jordan got a free trip to the bucket. They didn't want to foul him, I guess. I don't know what the hell that was. They just let him go to the rim. Then they get a stop, and Paxson hits a three, and then the next thing you know, it's a parade for Chicago. Anyway, I thought it was really interesting just how honest Charles was about about how often he thinks about it and about the, the, the blame he takes for it. So here's Charles in our visit from SportsCenter on Sunday night following the last dance. A couple of these uh, episodes tonight feature you and the Dream Team and then obviously those 93 finals. I want to take them in the, the episode, in, in the order, I should say, that they happen. That Dream Team's been talked about so much. And, Charles, I'm just really mostly interested in in that group of stars and all the personalities. Sort of what was the dynamic like specific to Michael within that group as you remember it? Well, I think the number one thing is how well we got along together. I think that was the most important and significant thing. I mean, we're with Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, who are the two most important figures in NBA history, before Michael took it to another level. The 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 the, the amazing personality that we had. But clearly it was Michael's team uh, because he was the best player in the world. Uh, he was the most char- 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 
I don't want to, I can't even pronounce it actually, charismatic person in the world. Uh, so it was just amazing just being in that situation. Was it hard to figure out how it fit, like how all the puzzle pieces fit? Because you got incredible talent and then everybody's got a little bit of ego because, and you've earned that ego. So was it difficult to figure out how it fit? Actually, it was not because of Chuck Daly. Uh, he said, hey, guys, this is what's going to happen. We're going to have two different starting units. Uh, you guys are going to start, obviously, one game and not the next, but you're going to come in around the 10-minute mark. So, to me, Chuck Daly deserves a lot of credit. But also, you got to give Larry Bird a lot of credit because, obviously, he was hurt at the time. Right. He never complained about playing time. He just thought it was an honor to play in the games. And same thing with Magic Johnson. They were kind of like mentors. Interesting. So that's 92. So 93, you know where we're going here. And obviously, you're the MVP. Uh, and it's the finals. And I, again, I keep coming back to this, Chuck. For the younger folks, they might not have known like how close it all was to a seventh game or whatever else. How often do you think in 93? You know, Scott, I think about it a lot. Uh, I, I failed in game one to get my team ready uh, for the enormity of the situation. Uh, that still bugs me to this day. Uh, you know what's amazing? Uh, going back and looking at, uh, I think it was either one, I think it might have been two, might have been three or four, I can't remember. Michael said he wasn't ready for game one against the Lakers. Right, he did. And, yeah, and I, I did not have me. I take full responsibility. I did not have our team ready to play game one because game one is the only bad game we had during that entire series. And I'll never get over that. I regret that, let my teammates down. Uh, but I actually thought this is kind of crazy in a way. I felt better when I heard Michael say, uh, game one against the Lakers was too big for us. So, like, I understood what he meant. Even though the lights are brighter, as far as you go during the playoffs, I don't think there's anything that can prepare you for the finals. And that was my fault, plain and simple. You and I pay attention to golf quite a bit. We know Tiger well. And there's a whole generation of golfers, that, you know, David Duvall and Ernie Els and Davis Love, that you, they're going to look back to the time when they had their best years and they were going up against Tiger when he was Superman. I look at you. I look at Patrick. I look at Stockton and Malone. Is there a parallel, Charles, to just being born at a very difficult time given the obstacle that was in your path? You know, uh, yes and no. You know, Scott, I've been in this game since 1984, the game of fame or NBA. Right. Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods are the two greatest athletes I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I've been around a lot of movie stars. I've been around a great, a lot of great athletes. Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods are the only two guys I've ever been around where people actually lose their mind when they <laughs> see them or they're in the room with them. And I can always say this, hey, it was an honor and a privilege to play against Michael. It was an honor and a privilege to play against uh, Watch Tiger in his prime. But those are the only two guys. As much as I love Magic and Bird and 
Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic. Um, and in football, you got Tom Brady, who's the greatest football player ever. When you're around Michael and Tiger, there's a different animal. You realize, like, I'm around something that's crazy and special. How hard was it, Charles, to be his a, a contemporary, a peer, on the same type of level, an MVP level? How hard was it to be that and maintain a friendship with a guy who, man, you you get one chance with that guy? How hard was that, Charles? Well, it was difficult because, you know, if you lose to him, you, number one, you're never going to hear the end of it. Right. Uh, listen. There's no other person, as great as he was, there's no person in my life I ever met that I want to beat more in basketball. Because when you lose to him, you got to hear about it every day for the rest of your life. And yet, you guys maintained this really close bond for so long, and then, you know, you make some comments about about him as an executive, and then it seems like he still is... Like, he'll never let go of being that grudge holder. I, and I, I'm, I don't know him like you do. I mean, I don't know him at all. I just wonder, like, I don't, why has he got to hold every grudge so personal? I don't get that. Well, I think that's what made him the GOAT. Yeah. He takes everything personally. Uh, it was an honor and a privilege to compete against him. Like I say, no disrespect to Kobe Bryant. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, LeBron James, uh, uh, Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain. The best I've ever seen in my life is Michael Jordan. And it was an honor and a privilege to play against him. He was He's the best I've ever seen. Him and Tiger Woods. I don't want to leave Tiger out. Those two guys are the best I've ever seen at what they do. Understood. I want to close with one last thing, and it's totally unrelated to this part of the conversation, but it was related to what was uh, in the episode tonight, and it's about it's about gambling. And Michael said, I don't have a gambling problem. I have a competitiveness problem. I've heard legendary stories about, and Magic talks about, like, if you're playing cards with him, if he's losing, he's going to play until he wins, or he's going to try to anyway. Give me your best sort of uh, anecdote, a story you could tell or share that kind of gives us a glimpse into that side of him. Hey, Scott, I got to tell you something funny. So every night, not one night, not two nights, not ten nights, me, Magic, Scotty, and Magic play cards every single night. But Michael tried to buy the pot every single night. It was really awesome. Like, first of all, we don't have as much, well, me and Scotty don't have as much money as Michael and Magic. But we knew that no matter what the cards were, at the end of the night, or like three or four times a night, Michael was always going to try to buy the pot. <laughs> and it's just like he always says, what's your breaking point of going all in? He just wanted to find the number that made you uncomfortable. That's the story I always hear, right? Hey, and let me tell you something. Him and Magic are on a whole different level than me and Scotty. <laughs> but they always try to make you to the point. But he tried to buy the pot. They tried to buy the pot every single night, Scott. It was awesome and hilarious. Well, I, I think, see, I, these are the stories. This is why the casinos are open 24 hours, man, because if you got deep pockets and you're that competitive, man, they're more than happy to take your action until the sun comes up. You know what I mean? Hey, but let me tell you something. 
you have to have 100% confidence in your hand if you're going to go all in against Michael because he's going to be doubling, doubling down, doubling down. If you got a good hand, you got to go all in. You got to do it. Well, listen, Charles, it's always fun to uh, cross paths. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your perspective. And you're always kind to our show, and, uh, and that means a lot to me. So stay safe, and hopefully we get to watch you and the fellas over on TNT talking some basketball somewhere down the road not too far from now, all right? Hey, guys, thanks for having me. Everybody, please be safe out there and keep your social distance. Hey, Scott, you and Stanford Steve, man, y'all keep up the amazing work. Can you imagine sitting at a card table, it's really late, you've been drinking, you don't have as much money as them, Jordan's got Cohibas going nonstop, and yep. he's just not going to blink. We all know that guy that no matter what, you you could beat him, and no matter what happens, it's just double down. And let me tell you something, that guy sucks if you can't ever say, no, I'm not doubling down again, I won, I'm going to bed. Like, you have to be allowed to win. Jordan's that guy that you could win – and he would just double down until infinity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, here's here's the problem why Jordan sucks in in those cir- circumstances. You know Charles Barkley. You know Magic Johnson. You know Scottie Pippen. Those guys had to bring it up to him like, hey, man, enough. So they, they people, he was told, like, those ways aren't cool numerous times. There's no way no one ever called him out on it. So – but he, for him he, he's, never, he's never going to back up, Steve. You, I understand that. So that's what I'm saying. So for him to not back up and be told numerous times by numerous people, that sucks. That really sucks. And that, I mean, that's tough, man. Like, and the biggest problem is, like you said, you don't have, it's like, it's like me and you going to the casino. Who's going to last longer? Who's got deeper pockets? All right. Now I'm not going to be able to play the way you play. That's, I mean, that's the way it is. And then you're going to keep asking me to keep playing, and I'm losing. I'm going to lose my mind on you because I don't have the funds. Like, Jordan, man. I don't have a gambling problem. I have a competitive problem. I have a competition problem. Well, that's – listen, like, if you're the win, if you're, you know, the Bellagio, if you're the MGM Casesers, I could name every casino there is. Like, Mr. Jordan, we would love to extend you a – here's a villa. You can stay as long as you'd like. We have butlers. They will cater to your every win because we don't we don't have a competition problem. We have a seat right here for you to take your competition problem right to the felt. We would be happy to entertain you. And that's where the competitive drive of a guy like Jordan gets him into trouble. Golf course, Slim Bowler. And this is great because, again, this is the younger generation's introduction to a dude with a jerry curl who was a hustler in Slim Bowler. <laughs> and then – you know, gambling was more of a taboo thing back in the day. You know, like the idea, oh, my God, he went to AC. Like now people are like, who gives a shit? Like gambling's a totally different – it's not a third-rail topic in America. And by the way, I said this on SportsCenter, Steve. If, if you have a night game and you drive from the city to AC, that's a short trip in a limo. Mm-hmm. And you play cards until late and you get back and you – you have all day to get ready to play this game. So, like, the fact that he's in AC – that doesn't matter. Playing 36 holes of golf in the sun in May when you have playoff games, like that takes way more out of you than playing than playing blackjack. People turned it into such a big deal, which it just wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it was a certain, I mean, who it was, when it was, you know, uh, I, I just, you know, it, 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 it's, it's New York, you know, uh, crumpled up into one ball. 
Uh, I get with it. The me- you know, with the media and all that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah, like yeah. you said, he did it because he could do it. I mean, yeah, you're not getting time. Like, oh, he went all the way. He didn't drive down there, I'm sure. I'm well, sure he was. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, I, I, that 90, like, that's how close the Knicks were, man. And, like, I, I had buddies that, you know, I mean, it's not the same as it was. And you always make fun of the Knicks because they haven't been relevant. Like, that, that, those nine, that Charles, like, that's that, they go up 3 2 if he makes a layup or the ball goes in the hoop there. Yeah, it's incredible. And, and that's I how mean, close. So many, so many chapters of sports are, uh, are, are, are that, that close to being entirely different. I've said a billion times. That's actually not close to being true. I've said 20 times, 20 or a billion, <laughs> one or the other. I've said 20 times that the Super Bowl two years ago was one offsides in the AFC championship game and one called pass interference penalty away from being two different teams. Instead of the Rams and the Patriots, it's an offsides on D Ford and a pass interference called on the Rams away from being the Chiefs against the Saints. And history will remember it for how it happened. New England won a Super Bowl. It's part of the legacy of Brady. All of it happened because that's how it happened. And for the Knicks, I mean, would they have won the series? I, I, I don't know. But Charles Smith's got three or four chances at it, and Nick fans are going to say he got fouled. And and you know, the the Bulls. It was a different time. You you could be more aggressive. But I I, I know Nick fans. You get, and you're a Nick fan. You think he got fouled? Because I don't. Mm-hmm. You think he got no. fouled? No, 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 no. He didn't get. Fouled. I don't think he got fouled. Just and people. Well, I mean, it just it, how it doesn't go in, I have no idea. And and but look, it didn't. And then they win. And then Jordan goes to the finals, and they you know they get the three from Paxson. Jordan averages forty one in the finals, and you know Charles. You know, I I think about it often, and I mean, I bet he does. I mean, mm-hmm. my God, that's as close as you got. And that was a really good team. And and I, I love Charles being Charles, being like I didn't have my team ready. Um. There was a part that I asked Charles that we didn't use for air because it went on. We talked for longer than we could put on SportsCenter just about like he took the blame about not having him ready. And, but and I said, I'm not trying to give you an out, but I don't know how anybody can be blamed for not being able to prepare someone for something they've never experienced. You know what I mean? Like if I if 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 and if somebody came here and they'd never done SportsCenter. I'd say, hey, here's here, this is you know this is what this is what it's like. I've done it, but I could never tell you what it's like to you know to fly a plane. I've never done it. You know what I'm saying? Like I my <laughs> my my, experience, my life experience is that I could very well explain to you what this feels like and how to do it. But never having done that, never having been on that stage, never having taken on Jordan with the stakes that high. Uh, I think it's entirely reasonable for that first game to, to overwhelm, for you not just not to understand what it's going to feel like. I feel like golfers have told me about this all the time about the Ryder Cup. Like you can hear about it, but then you're standing on the first tee and you're on, on you know, somewhere in Europe and they're singing songs at you. And you're like, man, I am shaking, literally shaking on the tee box. And until you've experienced it, how could you possibly know? So I, I, I don't fault Charles for that. And as he said, it was the only bad game they played in that series. And if Paxson doesn't make it and it goes to a game seven, I mean, who knows? But it didn't. And so that's part of Jordan's mythology. It's another finals trip that they went to and he won. We obviously talk all the time with Charles, uh, you know, good friends. 
I just thought the world of him when he just admitted after game two he played as well as he could and he still couldn't beat him. Like that, like that doesn't happen nowadays. There's every excuse in the book made for people. People come up with every excuse in the book. But for Charles to Charles to say that, man, like that's 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 tough. You know, you I'm, wait all your whole life to get to that moment and it's not good enough. That that's really, really hard to swallow. And I, I think about that all the time in sports. And mm-hmm. I'll give you an example of it. It was, and I'm looking it up just so I can get the year right. 2009 men's finals at Wimbledon. Andy Roddick plays tennis as well as a human being can play tennis. And the problem is he was playing someone that was better than that. And that was mm-hmm. Roger Federer. So, Federer wins 5-7-7-6-7-6-3-6-16-14. So, I mean, it, three of the sets, well, two of the sets went to tie breaks, and then the, the fifth set does not go to a tiebreaker because you got to win by two. And so, like, you're playing the guy that's one, like, that's one more than anybody ever, and you're playing him on a surface where he's peerless at the peak of his powers. And Roddick was brilliant He'd have, he would have beaten anyone on earth except the guy he was playing and i again like in sports how the thing that happens is so close to being the exact opposite like history remembers Fed, uh not federer necessarily differently but maybe it remembers roddick differently because he would have beaten him on his surface at, in 2009 but he didn't and i can't imagine steve and you'd know it way better than me because, I mean, you played at a level like that where you, you, at it, when it's done, you sit there and you go, you know what? That's all I got, right? The old George yeah. Foreman, the, the George Foreman line, uh, with Ali. You know, he said he hit Ali and Ali says, is that all you got, George? And Foreman yeah. said, I thought, yep, that's about it. Like, yeah. what then? What do you, like, I can't, I, I have, I'm with you. I have great admiration for saying that's all I have. And then you go, okay, today it wasn't enough. And for the series, it wasn't enough. And at the end of the career, it wasn't enough. Like, there's no shame in that. And, J- and Charles said, and he's entirely right. There's no shame in that. No, I measured, absolutely. I measured, I measured myself against the best of the of our era, arguably the best there ever was, and and it wasn't enough. And there, whether it's the Knicks, whether it's Utah, whether it's Seattle, Phoenix, you know, I mean, there's a bunch of teams in that era. And but but specific to the Knicks, Steve, like. I, and I asked Van Gundy this when he was on the show, and, and it was interesting because he said he, he said the answer was no. I just wonder if it bugged him that when they got the chance to go through Chicago that it didn't include Jordan. Because think about the, the symmetry of that era. Boston mm-hmm. stood in Detroit's way. Boston beat him. Detroit stood in Chicago's way. Chicago beat him. Chicago stood in New York's way, and New York beat him, but not with Jordan. And I would think, like, just you would have loved to have been able to say, yeah, I got, we got through them, and we got through them when Jordan was out there. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of those things where when when you look back on it, I think they're just still so bitter that they didn't win the title that the answer is not going to you know think what it was, but uh-huh. the, you know, you I mean, and when it comes down to it, you, you that, that's one guy's feelings, you know. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. when we get you know we get I, it did surprise me, um, but you know. I'm sure the fans, you know, that whole thing and gets blown out of proportion. But, um, no, I'm, I'm with you. It was surprising to hear. Also on our Sunday uh, Sports Center, if you've been watching, we follow um, 
The Last Dance, and Michael Wilbon and Jackie McMullen were part of our show last Sunday. We shared their con- uh, conversation here on the podcast and following episodes five and six. Here's a conversation we had with Michael Wilbon and, and Jackie McMullen about the idea. It starts with the idea of grudges because it it blows my mind just how Michael Jordan uses any any it doesn't even have to be a slight like it doesn't have to be someone saying that someone's better than you sometimes it can be the mere suggestion that someone is is even mentioned in the same sentence as Jordan once again Jackie McMullen Michael Wilbon are with us I've got some thoughts on Jordan Kobe and his relationships with his peers later in one big thing and I want to begin with the value of grudges and slights Clyde Drexler didn't do anything wrong Michael somebody just had the audacity to say he was good at basketball and comparing to Michael so that meant Michael had to smash him how much Michael did you get the sense that Michael Jordan used these grudges as fuel to just to, to destroy I'm 100% certain of it, Scott. I remember going to Chicago early in the season, writing for the Washington Post, to do a story on Alonzo Mourning. Because Alonzo scored a lot more than people thought he would coming out of college, out of Georgetown. And I go to the locker room pregame, and I'm asking Michael about um, about Alonzo Mourning. And Michael's talking. He, he goes, wait a minute. You came home to your hometown and my town to write about a Georgetown kid, and, and and Michael loved getting on Georgetown. He loved you, you saw it tonight. Patrick, Alonzo, he loved it. He loved getting on. He loved them and respected them. But he wanted to crush them. And he said to me, "You you flew home. You came here in this locker room to ask me about Alonzo Morning. What are you going to write in the Washington Post tomorrow if he has nothing?" And I said, "Well, what do you mean nothing?" He goes, "What what do not you not understand about nothing?" Well. When when Alonzo Mourning, when Michael Jordan went out of the game because they were winning by like 30, Alonzo had three points. Uh. He'd been averaging 20 something. He had three. Uh But but what you have to know about Michael is he also says, okay, after it's over, he's no longer angry, Scott. And he says, listen, don't ask me about Alonzo in front of everybody. Come on back. We'll talk about him. And I go back and I said, but you killed him. He goes, listen, he's going to be a great player. He's got this and this and this and this. But in that time, in that short time, he needed something to get himself going maybe that night. Maybe he wasn't angry as he drove in. And he needed something, which, you know, the wrath of which I felt. And I love that about him. People get offended. I thought this is the essence of who he is. This separates him from everybody else. Well, you know what, Wilbon, it sounds to me like you owe Zoe an apology, poor kid. You ruined his knife. But, you know, the thing with Drexler, I was actually talking to Danny Ainge this week, who was on that 92 team, Scott, and he said that he knew they were in trouble before that series even started because all the hype for Clyde and putting them on the same plane as Jordan. He said what made him realize that they were in trouble was Jordan was being very deferential, saying wonderful things about Clyde. And, and Danny said, and I knew him, and I knew what he was like, and I knew that this was the worst thing that could have possibly happened to us. And, and he also knew that that night, the, a game one, because no time like the present with Michael, you don't lie in wait, you do it right away. And, of course, it's 36 points to 19 points. And the series, you know, it's all for all intents and purposes over that night. That's the way Jordan was fueled. Tony Kukoc did nothing to Jordan. It didn't matter. He couldn't play against Jerry Krause, so he took it out on Tony Kukoc. Some of these these grudges were real. Some of them are imagined, but it doesn't matter because once it gets into Michael's head, 
It doesn't leave him until he crushes him. Same with Charles in the 93 finals. He was mad that Charles was the MVP. He thought she should have been the MVP. Of course he was. And then there's the yeah, all-time. Really, the, there's the LeBrad yeah. for Smith story, which we don't have time for tonight. But just wait for that one, kids, because <laughs> that's, that's, that's something special. All right, so we just heard from Kobe. And they, the MJ-Kobe thing, Jackie, to me feels a bit like Tiger Woods in this way. Tiger was not close to his contemporaries, but he has a special affinity for a lot of the younger players, many of whom he still competes against. Right. It feels a bit to me like like Jordan and Kobe. How much does that jive with your sense of what you understand? Absolutely. You know, Jordan absolutely adored Kobe, and you saw the reaction he had at, at the funeral, and that was that was a very genuine emotional response. And I think, too, if you look back to Jordan's rookie year and that all-star game that you were talking about that he, he felt frozen out of, so he was going to talk trash to Kobe and try to beat him, but afterwards, what does he say to him? Hey, kid, call me anytime. And Kobe did. In fact, during the lockout shortened season, the 98-99 season, when they weren't playing, he called and spent an hour on the phone talking talking to Jordan about how to body up against bigger defenders, a bigger, stronger guards. He was having trouble with that. And that's started a, almost a two-decade-long correspondence because all Kobe wanted to be was Michael. And Michael didn't mind it. He saw a lot of himself in Kobe. Key phrase, Jackie, there being all the time. Kobe called him all the time. And there was this yeah. enormous respect. And each one of those guys, they were worried that people outside looking in would take it the wrong way. You know, just going after each other a little bit. I remember mm-hmm. a night, one of many, when I was waiting outside the Laker locker room and Kobe had had some great game where he had like 45 and, you know, nine rebounds and whatever. And as he walked in the locker room, I, I, I got an elbow and Kobe said, what would your boy have done tonight? Old man, what would the old man have done tonight? What would he have done? <laughs> And it was, so, and he would right. laugh, and, it, and I said, "Will you let me write about this?" He said, "No, no, no, nobody's going to understand it." And it was such joy that that this was going to get back to Michael, and that relationship was was closer, I think, than anybody understood Jackie until, as you said, you know, at the memorial when when Michael had the reaction he did and told the story about Kobe being a nuisance to a point as a little brother. There was such fondness on a daily basis there for years and just personally i'm so grateful he allowed us in to see that and that's something that i wrote about and we'll talk about a bit later in the show um and speaking of later in the show there's so many layers to each episode michael i want to get to this as a final thought for this week the desire to get out of that environment that that bubble was great for jordan and he did but ultimately the desire to be in the arena was greater and he went back did you ever really buy that when the last dance ended, that that was Jordan's last dance? Wow. Um, I, I, Scott, being a Chicagoan, I, I can't divorce myself from what he meant to the city and the culture. And, and, and I wanted him to come back. I guess I thought he would or I hoped he would. It just didn't seem like he was finished. And he is such a student of the history of the game that I always thought some of the, I, I thought it was just maybe burnout. He's always said burnout is not the word he would use. I use that. But I thought there was something there that he could get the fire stoked again and get back by going to baseball, by going away for a while. And just glad he did. But I, I, I wasn't certain, wasn't certain that he would. You know, Michael, I actually went down to Birmingham, Alabama, when when Michael Jordan was playing down there. And I happened to be there two days after uh, the game where Pippen refused to go in at the end because the play was going to be for Kukoc against the Knicks. And 
he bounded up to me. He was so excited to see me, which was very nice. But, you know, he was just, he wanted a connection to basketball. When I left there after three days in Birmingham, I told everybody that listened to me, he's coming back. He was, and he kept saying to me, I don't have anything to prove to any of the older guys. But, you know, some of those young fellas, I'd like to show them what it's all about. And I thought, oh, there it is. It's still there. So I wasn't surprised at all when he came back. I'm surprised it took so long, honestly. Michael, Jackie, uh, this is fun. I don't know if, we, if we've signed you up for next week, but if you'll do it, we'll have you. If not, we certainly appreciate you being with us this week again. Be well, okay? Thanks. Thank you, Scott. Steve, this is where the like generational conversations, I think, break down. Because this isn't a – it's not a knock on, on a modern player to say that the, that the friendships of now are such that I, I don't think that um, – that you could carry that kind of specific anger towards people. But cause I don't think that it, it was really that way. Even then, like people had dislike. Sure. Like Boston didn't like Detroit. Detroit didn't like Chicago. There, mm-hmm. there was, there was, there was, there was real dislike among certain teams, but, but this specific kind of grudge carrying feels to me to be unique to Michael Jordan. I don't, I don't feel like anyone else in this sport has been like been on his level. Do you? No, no, but that's the thing, Scott. I remember reading, you know, when I was younger about him, he would find anything, any kind of motivation. And, you know, I, I always thought the golf thing was interesting because golf is so mental. And I could just see him having days where he would eat people alive on the golf course. I'm not talking basketball, I'm talking on the golf course. When you're talking money's out there and you, I mean, and he's got, he, he had skill. He had skill. You know, I, I, plenty of stories have been overblown of what he is and what he actually is and what he thinks he is on the golf course. But that, that whole thing, it, it makes sense. I just always remember reading that, that he would find anything, any kind of motivation and he would hang on to that thing until he buried you. And that's, that's, it's what I remember about him. It's why I always said he, he is, he is the greatest. Um, yeah. because no, no one could do that for as long as it took, you know? Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not, I wouldn't say refresh. It's not refreshing at all. It's just like, I feel like I do remember. I had a little comprehension skills back in the day. I remember that stuff. So I feel good about myself and my memory. Your memory when it comes to sports is unrivaled. I know no one else like you. Um, my memory's not nearly as good, but I do remember, a similar thing between Tiger Woods and a guy by the name of Stephen Ames. And Charles said that Tiger and Michael are the two guys that he's seen that are the greatest of all time and that people freak out when they see him. And they're wired the same. Uh, Stephen Ames, they played uh, in this match play event. And and Tiger hadn't been playing particularly good. Uh, And Stephen Ames just mentioned, he had the audacity to mention that, that, you know, some of the places that Tiger had been hitting the ball Maybe Ames would have a chance. That's all he said. Like, he didn't say, hey, Tiger sucks. I'm going to roll him. I'm going to boat race Tiger. He didn't say that. He mm-hmm. just said, you know, from some of the places he's hitting the ball, maybe, you know. <laughs> well, they played in the match play. And for people that don't know what match match play golf, I'll, real quick, match play for idiots. We play one hole. I win it. I'm one up. All right? We have 18 holes. So the most I can be is I could be nine up. After nine holes, then that would mean if if we played the tenth hole and you didn't win it, well, it's over because I'm I'm nine up with eight to play. Well, that's what he did to Ames. 
He beat him as he beat him <laughs> nine and eight because Stephen Ames had the audacity to say that Tiger had not been driving the ball well. Well, that's the same as Jordan being mad at Clyde Drexler because someone said Clyde was similar or something. Not Clyde's better. Like it was just a passing. It's like it's it's like the SEC fans that get mad. Like if any if if you say anyone else is good at football, then they get mad. Like other people are allowed to be good. I mean, we get it. You guys win a lot of titles. You have more first-round draft picks. Like, I, you, Steve and I are – this isn't me and Steve. Steve's, Steve's looking around going, I didn't say anything about the SEC. This isn't me saying someone's better at football than you. But other people are allowed to be good. And Michael Jordan wasn't the only person who was allowed to be good then or now at basketball, just like Tiger wasn't the only person who was allowed to be good at golf. But the same way Jordan operated with finding anything and using it to sharpen his axe, Tiger uh, is wired that way too. I also think they're wired that way in, in this way. Everyone loves to win. Not everyone Not everyone truly hates losing. And I think that the documentary, if however you're viewing it, is doing a great job of really illustrating to you that very few people that I've ever seen in sports detest losing the way this guy detests it because it's not the same. Liking to win and despising losing are not – at all the same thing. Correct. Correct. And everybody always, uh, you know, talks about you hear always hear, you know, coaches talking about remembering the losses more than the wins. So, and don't you find, and then, isn't that interesting? Like any coach we've ever had on, like guys that have won hundreds and hundreds of games. And the minute you ask them about a specific win, it's like, it's kind of blurry. Ask them about a loss that cost them something. And it's vivid. The details are vivid. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in Jordan's case, he didn't have any finals losses, uh, to, to be, you know, specifically memor- to, to remember. Um, so we have four more docs uh, of The Last Dance to carry us through, and then I don't know what we do. Um, we still won't have sports. There's baseball in Korea. If you're going to stay up late night and watch that, I don't know anything about it. Um, so yay that. Uh, and hopefully hopefully we'll have sports um, at some point. Uh, I don't know when that's going to be, and I don't know what we're going to talk about when The Last Dance runs out because um, – we're just grateful to have something that happened in the 90s that we can talk about in 2020 and pretend like it's, you know, happening now. So that's yeah. a win. That's a win. Absolutely. You got questions? Yeah. Scott <laughs> on the spot. Pew, 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 pew. May the fourth be with you. Star Wars gun noises. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, 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 pew. pew, 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 pew. Scott on the spot. Pew, 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 pew. All right. Very question? good. Very good. You're getting better right. at those. You're like yep. it's like a human bee box of sounds. Uh, um Do you know what Sunday is? Mother's Day. But what happens on Mother's Day? Uh we come to work and pretend like uh something that happened in the nineties happened now? What tell the people about your friends you and your friends' tradition on Mother's Day. Oh, hey, 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 hey. let's go. Mother's Day mock. Mother's Day mock. Um, I don't know if we're going to do it this year. Uh, what? It, I mean, it's more like talked about as being like a thing than it is an actual thing. But to, uh, there's, there's one person in, in our friends fantasy football league that typically talks about the Mother's Day mock, starts putting out breakdowns of, you know, <laughs> Who's going to go? What round in PPR leagues? Rookies to keep an eye on. Things of that nature. So, yeah, 
in the past, we've had Mother's Day mocks, or at least conversation about Mother's Day mocks, which is as good as a Mother's Day mock. Aha. Uh-huh. All right. Um, here we go. Testing your memory. All right. Uh, yep. What did you do to celebrate your 21st birthday? Uh, I think I managed, I was managing a pool. Um, it was, uh, Stonegate. I want to say was the name of the pool I managed. I was also the coach of the swim team there, which is kind of funny because I didn't know anything about coaching a swim team. Um, but, uh, so I was a swim team coach. You were a swim coach that didn't know anything about swimming. Correct. I, I had really, there were many strokes I couldn't swim. Like, I couldn't swim a, num- a number of the strokes. Like, for the billion dollars, I can't do the butterfly. But there I was coaching them up. Um, <laughs> God, what a fraudulent thing that was. So, that's I, – I don't remember. I didn't – like, I didn't – I wasn't one of those guys that went out and drank until I puked. I, I just – because I had to get up early and, and uh, manage a pool. Shout out to Stonegate. And a swim team. Yep. <laughs> Why – what does that got to do with anything? No, I just was curious. You know, yeah. That people, was, are, people are that celebrating was, May the Fourth be with you like it's their twenty first birthday, and uh, everybody well, usually has a twenty first birthday story. So, well, don't um, you celebrate was, Cinco de Mayo also. You could do that. Cinco yeah, you could celebrate that responsibly. Right. Um, Jordan went to Phoenix with one suit. He told the story. Yep. All right. You're going down to Florida for a couple days. Yep. Are you packing any clothes? <sighs> That's a great question. I've been thinking about this. Um, um, we got a spot down there where I've left stuff, and every time I go, I bring stuff, and then when I get there, I realize I have stuff. So I, I, it's kind of like a social experiment. I want to see what happens if I don't bring anything. Do I have enough stuff to wear, or, or will I just be uh, having to social distance nude? Yeah. I know I- now, I know I actually have enough stuff, uh, I think. So I'm not bringing stuff that I... Don't bring anything. See, that's, that's, a, that's, that's great, great counsel right there. Because I, I don't need to bring anything. You don't? I'm not going anywhere where I have to dress up. There's nowhere to go, although in Florida there are some, uh, there are some places that I think that are open. Um, but I, I got nowhere to go. Like, what am I going to bring, a tuxedo? Like, no, I'm just... We're going to wear flip-flops. We're going to hang out. Um, get my guy, Charlie, my little, my little guy, Charlie swimming. Now he's in the pool doing some, doing some good, good work. So make sure he can, uh, float. No, no shirt on. Uh, you know, Charlie's, Charlie's not into shirts as we've, have we covered that on the podcast? I think we have. (laughs) He's, he's like a crazy little redneck, that guy. Um, no, not a lot of shirt wearing in his life, but down in, down in Florida where it's nice outside all the time, you know, it's no need for a shirt. So Heck no, he may just stay. He may just uh, take up shop down there and uh, be like uh, be like Moon Dog. That's uh, McConaughey's character. And uh, Art, Art. oh, that was a good... what movie was that? Mud? Uh, no, the Moon Dog movie. Uh, what the hell is the name of the movie? Did it Beach Bump? Called the Beach Bump. Oh, right? okay. Yeah. Him and Snoop. Apparently, Snoop the, uh, slipped in some real weed into his scene, and McConaughey was was baked oh. like Alaska. Just off his rocker. <laughs> imagine, imagine that. Imagine you're shooting a movie with McCon- I'm with Snoop, and then Snoop, because I mean, Snoop is medicinal level. I'm sure, mm-hmm. not Willie Nelson level. 
Mm-mm. Although, as Snoop explained, he tried to smoke. He tried to smoke with Willie Nelson, <laughs> and then Snoop said, "Yo, this motherfucker trying to kill me." <laughs> like, how high? How high must Willie Nelson be able to get and still maintain if you can? Not, if you can put Sm- Snoop to take to just tap out, take a twenty, make it a full. Uh, I have no idea how we got to that in the end, but uh, that's where we're going to end this. With a, imagine how high Snoop and Willie were when they smoked. Um, I think that's the end of the podcast. Are you going to come back from Florida? Yeah. Um, I think I have to because we got to do the. Uh, okay, we got to do dance. we got to do the last dance shows. They're very important. We're very happy to be asked to do them. So yep. yes, I'll be back Mother's Day mock. Happy mom to all the moms out there. I don't know if we still have flowers as sponsors. We used to be big in the flower space, but I don't. I don't care if we are. Or we aren't. Send your mom flowers. Uh, you know, tell her you love her, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, see you next Sunday night on Sports Center. And uh, stay safe. Wash your hands. Wash your butt.